you know, it's the C word. I don't like to use that, but it's very slow growing. If you had it on a chart, they said this would be the one you choose and you can live with it. They just kind of monitor it and watch it. Obviously, I believe in healing. I try to eat right, uh, doctors, medication, but it's always in the back of your mind. But I can't equivocate myself to Paul, but a thorn to kind of keep you humble. So I've thought about that quite a bit, but hey. Things happen, and uh, I'm blessed to be here, still playing ball with 20-year-olds, so glory to God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you're 50 what? 55. 55. Hey, it's time for Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler. It's uh, always a pleasure to get together with you, friend, and talk about all kinds of issues. We are in the studio with a longtime friend of mine, Randy Shepard, with Crossfire Ministries. Yes, it's a blessing always to come back to Memphis. I was here from 88 to 92 with a ministry called Spirit Express. So been coming back every year for the last 26 years. So getting the schools, the rescue mission, love for finding, you always are gracious to bring me in here and let the people know what the Lord's been doing. So thank you for the opportunity. Well, it's always nice to have a Southern gentleman in the studio from that great state of North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, yeah you can, there's something about those from North Carolina have that accent I'd love to hear. And as a young boy, I know you had a great desire to become a high school, college, and pro basketball player. And we've shared that story many times on this program, Mid-South Viewpoint. But I kind of want to go back a little further and talk about your family, like your grandparents, your your mom and dad. Give me a little history of the Shepherd family. Well, dad and mom met in Asheville, I guess, in 1962. And they were married, and I was born in 64. I was basically an only child. Mom and dad had been married previously and divorced and they married, and I was their only child, so I had some half-brothers and sisters, but Dad was a businessman. He ran his own business. Mom was the administrative assistant, so they worked together, and growing up, I would be there at the business. My dad put a little goal up for me down there where I could shoot, started out as like a Nerf goal, then a little higher, then a basketball goal, and uh, being an only child, they put a ball in my hand. I didn't have any pets. I didn't play any instruments, but I, I played the basketball. <laughs> I was an only child, and but basketball didn't. <laughs> you know, but I guess radio, as a young age, actually, even as early as 14 years old when I first started in broadcasting. But So you were nine years old or even younger. Yeah, I started playing when I was about probably eight, and then I started going to camps. I can remember going to Tennessee Vols camp. Uh, back in the Ernie and Bernie days, if anybody knows those names, Ernie Grunfeld, Bernard King, and then I went to North Carolina camp, met a guy there. We might talk about that later. Went to Wake Forest camp, my uh, hometown, UNC Asheville camp. I was kind of a, a basketball android, like the late Pistol Pete Maravich. He was my hero, and they called him a basketball android, so I guess I was one of those as well. We know, Randy, I've heard stories about Pistol Pete that early, like before the sun would rise, it would be raining outside, and there was like a, a gravel drive, and he would go out and just practice dribbling the ball so he could work on his ball handling skills. I mean, were you that nuts too? I, I didn't dribble on gravel, but I heard about Pete, learned his drills, and I would do them every night in the kitchen floor. And uh, it was it was uh, it was a ceremony I did every day, and now the Lord uses them in sixty eight countries, forty six states to get kids' attention. And at fifty five, I'll still call the best player in the school up and and say, "Hey," and I'll play it down. And then I've done them so many drills, it kind of makes them look bad, and it gets the kids' attention for God's glory. Did you ever uh, connect with the Harlem Globetrotters anyway? I know ministries are kind of similar about using the basketball. You're straightforward with the gospel. Right. I mean, and they actually have a gospel intention, too. I met Menelark Lemon way back 
sat with Curly Neal on a plane one time and shared the gospel with him. Metalark and I were on a radio program like this in Western North Carolina. Of course, I think Metalark has uh, gone on to be with the Lord. He became a preacher, you know, so never actually uh, – was with them at all. They're pretty good. They're they're very talented. And then, but we have a guy that plays for Crossfire now, that was with them for three years, and he has a forty six inch vertical. John Williams. They called him John the Jet Williams. He played with them for three years. He played uh, after me at UNC Asheville, but now he travels with Crossfire. He just his team just won the uh, girls state championship for Asheville Christian Academy. Really? This so, John, how long ago was John with the Globetrotters? It's probably been seven or eight years. He traveled with him for three years. I'm and, thinking uh, I met John. Really? Uh, yeah, because, you know, the, the Hershen Family Entertainment, who owns Silver Dollar City and Branson, I don't know, but I think they're actually overseeing some some way. They're actually working uh-huh. some connection there with that organization and the Globetrotters now. In the summertime, I don't know if they're still doing this, they would do a an exhibition right. at, at Silver Dollar City, uh-huh. and I got a chance to meet. I think John was one of the... This has been quite a few years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's seven or eight years ago. Yeah. He was a leaper extraordinaire. When he was at UNC Asheville, he came in second in the NCAA Final Four dunk contest, and a 5'7 guy beat him, and I think they gave it to the 5'7 guy because it looked like he was jumping better. But John, we go. he goes to the Philippines with us, and he'll dunk ten times in a game, and those Filipinos go crazy, <laughs> and the gym is full. And the greatest thing is at halftime when we share the gospel, they listen to what you have to say. Now, did uh, your parents growing up, did, did, was there an influence of going to church? Did, did your parents know Christ? Did they tell you about Jesus? Yeah, they took me to a church, a Baptist church. Uh, Dr. Billy Klein, who was friends with Dr. Rogers. Dr. Rogers would come over and speak uh, once in a while back when I was in high school. And unfortunately, I'd kind of gotten away from the Lord then, so I didn't really remember Dr. Rogers. But mom and dad took me to church from the time I was born. I gave my life to Christ as a nine-year-old boy. Grew up there and RAs and uh, uh, children's choir and all that. And then, unfortunately, I kind of let basketball take me away a little bit. I was still going to church on Sunday, but I let basketball become number one, which wasn't good. But uh, God has a way of drawing us back. Yeah, he really does do that. And you've been in this journey with Christ for many years, Randy. We've talked about many of your exploits in ministry, places around the world where you've traveled. What have been some of the tougher questions that you've asked God? Well, when I was 32 years old, I had come back to the Lord at about 20. I was uh, just uh, stayed four years here in Memphis from 88 to 92 with Spirit Express. And I was uh, traveling, started Crossfire with Jamie Johnson, my ministry partner, sharing the gospel all over the world. And one day I had some stomach issues and I uh, started investigating it with a doctor and they found a tumor the size of a golf ball in my ilium area. So obviously, uh, didn't know if it was benign, didn't know if it was cancerous. And so you start asking questions, you know, Lord, why me? I'm trying to preach your gospel around the world. I'm, I've made a commitment to be pure till I get married. I messed up in high school, but, you know, but it rains on the just and the unjust. And I wouldn't trade that because what God taught me through all that, people coming alongside of you and praying, and I'm kind of the type A go-getter type guy. And God slowed me down. Sometimes he'll lay us down in white sheets and uh, to get our attention. And, you know, it was a growth process. Uh, They removed the tumor. Unfortunately, seven or eight years ago, some little spots came back on my liver, which I go to Denver every six months to get a scan. But, uh, you know, it's the C word. I don't like to use that, but it's very slow growing. If you had it on a chart, 
They said, this will be the one you choose, and you can live with it. They just kind of monitor it and watch it. Obviously, I believe in healing. I try to eat right, uh, doctors, medication. But it, it's always in the back of your mind, but I, I can't equivocate myself to Paul, but a thorn to kind of keep you humble. So I've thought about that quite a bit, but, hey, Things happen, and uh, I'm blessed to be here still playing ball with 20-year-olds, so glory to God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you're 50 what? 55. 55. With this type A personality, are there times that – because you've got this incredible pace. I mean, you're just nonstop. I mean, you, I mean, when you blow into an area, you literally blow <laughs> in an area. I mean, you know, it's not just going and speaking in a Sunday school class. I mean, you're going any opportunity. You call me, Byron, can I come be on the radio? You know, I'm sure after here you've got something planned. You're going, you're doing. Are there times you wonder, can you keep up this pace? Well, I've been asked that a lot, and, uh, you know, I know if when the Lord will slows me down, I, I won't play one day. I'll just coach and preach and evangelize, and you can always share the gospel. We all need to do that. So, uh, so far, I take some supplements. I take some vitamins. I, I exercise and uh, just trust the Lord. A little Flintstone chewables, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Randy, how do you stay in tune to the Holy Spirit? How do you feed on Scripture in a way that you keep god's ways and you discover his glory oh yeah I, i'll tell young people and adults you know in being in ministry as you know if god has given us a talent and i probably have the gift of evangelism we need to be in the word we need to be in prayer and the enemy will keep us occupied in our gift to keep us out of that so i was praying on the way over here about that today i got to pray with uh pastor Gaines yesterday and he preached on the church of uh, laodicea that you're real busy you got a lot of things going look like everything's taken care of but you've forsaken your first love and i think that's something we all have to think about and type a personality is we got to give that time in prayer give that time in bible reading not to be legalistic but just like eating food we need our spiritual food because you're giving out you've got to build yourself sure. up yeah, okay, to help okay. others so that's all good how do you do it how do you stay in tune i mean what are some ways that you Break it down. Break it yeah, down. Yeah, I have it on the iPhone. I got the word on the iPhone when I'm driving. I want to listen to the word. I want to listen to praise and worship. I want to get that quiet time in there and having people pray for me. So that specifically would be uh, try to stay listening to the word as much as I can, driving from place to place. And I fall short, so pray for me. Oh, man. Hey, listen, man. We all fall short. Yeah. But what's cool is that our Heavenly Father still receives us. Amen. You know? Amen. Uh What's some of the biggest God moments so far where you've seen him show up in Randy Shepard's life? Wow. I have my pastor in North Carolina who's in heaven now has been had encouraged me before he passed that you need to do a book on crossfire sharing Jesus around the world. And Byron, I've been blessed with so many opportunities. I guess one that's kind of relevant, or you may be going into it. I don't want to get ahead of you, but being able to share with Kobe Bryant and uh, with what just happened to Kobe, we were in the. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and jump okay. to that. That was actually yeah. kind of my last question. Uh oh, sorry. Because we're, we're taking it to a point, but that's okay. Yeah. Because we wanted to be sensitive, you know, in the conversation here. It was January 26. A helicopter crash took the lives of Kobe Bryant along with his 13 year old daughter and seven other people. Kobe had such a big impact around the world. I mean. It grieved me to see people grieving right. so hard oh, yeah. for this man who was an incredible, incredible player on the court. Yes, sir. And I, I you know, I tell kids and adults, mentioned it yesterday at Bellevue, nothing wrong with an autograph, nothing wrong with a picture. But my desire for those guys is deeper than that because I know how Christ changed my life and how basketball was my God. And I never made it to the NBA on that level but it can easily become your God, and everything focuses around that. So we were 
at the Olympics. Jamie and I have been blessed to go to the last five Olympics, Sydney, Australia, Athens, Greece, London, England, Rio, Brazil. Lord willing, we'll be going to Tokyo in August to minister in Atlanta, Georgia, back before all that. But we pray specifically for opportunities. I call it terrorism evangelism. And we really pray for those opportunities, not that we target the superstars, but most of the time people aren't really trying to witness to them. They're trying to get an autograph, a picture. So I think sometimes those guys might get not get the gospel as much as we do. At least that's what I found out. So we were in a hotel in London. We had prayed about it. We ended up in that hotel through a friend. And in the lobby there, when we walked in, was the dream team. I mean, you got Russell Westbrook standing here. You got Chris Paul standing here. You got LeBron James over here. You got Kobe over here. So I, you don't walk in there and say, okay, guys, I'm going to preach because you get kicked out. You yeah, know? Yeah. But I worked the room a little bit through the Lord's grace and just introduced myself to the, some of the guys and tell them a little bit about Crossfire. Then I would ask each one of them. Have you ever repented of your sin and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and worked my way over to Kobe? His bodyguard was there, and I had tried to get to him a couple times in years past and didn't wasn't able to get to him. But his bodyguard, I walked up to him, and he as uh, he told the bodyguard that it's good, and he didn't know me from Adam. Jamie and I were there and introduced ourselves, told him a little bit about Crossfire, and told him we respected his game and. Uh, I said, Kobe, you know, I have a question for you. Have you ever repented of your sin and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? He said yes, and I gave him a gospel track. He uh, took a picture with us. He got on the elevator. Now, I don't want people to go out of here and say, well, we know Kobe Bryant's in heaven because we don't know that. If he meant it and he knew Jesus, he's in heaven. If he didn't mean it, like I probably told people in my life because I wasn't living for the Lord and they asked me a question, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm doing good spiritually then, you know, only God knows the heart. I pray he is, and I pray for his family. But that was an opportunity I know the Lord gave me to give the gospel to him. And I don't know how many other times he got that, but I'm thankful for it. And uh, But his salvation and the person at the rescue mission that I'm going to on Wednesday morning is just as important at the rescue mission as him. But we got to be faithful to share with who God puts in front of us. It also brings up another question, too. We never know when our time is going to be up. Exactly. God knows that time. In the case of Kobe Bryant, it was a helicopter crash. It was a year ago this month that you walked into the studio with a mutual friend of ours, Todd Eaton. Yes. And it wasn't long after that time. I guess, well, it's been a few months past. Todd, after coaching... A refereeing. He was yeah. he loved to referee yeah. a lot of the sports leagues through Bellevue and my kids grew up with Todd Eaton being yes. the referee on so yes. many of their games. Todd and I used to be in a Sunday school class together yeah. many, many years ago in college and career. Right. Of course his dad was the famous sportscaster, exactly. you know, for T V five for so many years in the Memphis Tigers, uh, Jack Eaton. But uh Todd suddenly after I think refereeing a couple of games, wasn't feeling well, went home and laid down and had a heart attack. Yeah, Billy Woods, who from West Memphis, I don't know if you know Billy, he was a sports writer there, and he and Todd were like this. He was with Todd the day before watching the Cotton Bowl, and Billy called me crying. I hadn't heard about it, and he was just in tears, and he said, Randy, I've lost my best friend, and I know Todd was important to you, and it kind of blew me away, you know, 57 years old, you know, he refereed ball games every night, and and bam, just like that, he was gone, and uh we know Todd is with the Lord, and, and he was a man of God. He was a soul winner. He was always challenging about your faith. He supported Crossfire. Every time I came to Memphis, we'd go up here to Chick-fil-A and have a meal. So it was a shocker, Byron. And, yes, we – and it was just a few days uh, – 
Kobe died a few days after Todd passed away. So it was like right there close that was, together. That's yeah. exactly right. It was yeah. very, very close. Uh, and, and so sudden, you know, and I think that's why it is important for those to know that they have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. No doubt. Yeah. You traveled to Israel last year. This is not, I don't think, your first time to go to Israel, or was it? No, I've been blessed to go 23 times. <laughs> 23 times. I've been twice, and you've been 23 times. Well, when you're single and no yeah, kids, yeah. you can travel a lot more, Brian. I understand. Well, I'm thankful for the two times I had a chance to go, but you did go last year, and I was excited, since I have been, to follow the different stops that you made along the way. So since you've been so many times, is it just another trip, or – Anything? No, I I feel like I'm going home, and I've built some relationships there in schools. I go with Dr. Ralph Sexton from over in Asheville, North Carolina. Dr. Sexton's been 63 times. He takes groups every year, so Jamie and I go to assist him. But we've built relationships in schools. first relationship I ever built there was at the Nazareth Baptist Academy, which was a school that Bellevue helped start. Dr. Rogers raised some funds probably 30 years ago to help that school start. So we get to speak there. Now we've branched out, and we're speaking in Catholic schools, Lutheran schools. Did you connect with Pastor Al from Jerusalem? Yes, I stayed with Pastor Al. Did you stay with Pastor yeah, Al? for a couple of days, and I was with the group for a couple of days. But Dave Sitton, who works here exactly. now. Pastor Al did, when we were at the uh, – he, he did an incredible Bible study at the Mount of Olives when uh-huh. we were there. And then he also did our communion service at the Garden Tomb. Yes, he is awesome. Yeah. I stayed in his home, and we've become good friends, and he drives me out – behind into palestine bethlehem and we go to these schools and he prays for me and i i do the thing and share the gospel so yeah i love pastor al so is there what what's that like sharing the gospel in some of these schools wow i tell you it's 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 amazing because you're looking out some of these kids are muslim kids but because i have that silly basketball in my hand they'll let me share because sports and music are the international languages and You know, like we talked about Pistol Pete a few minutes ago, when I started spinning ball on a toothbrush, a spoon, a cell phone, I never dreamed that God would use that to share the gospel. So we got to go to to Catholic schools, to Lutheran schools, and I'm not in a denomination. I preach the gospel. I'm an evangelist, and, uh, you know, I I believe the Bible is an infallible word of God, but I'll go wherever they let me share. Yeah. Well, you've had the opportunity to travel internationally on so many occasions. Do you find people receptive to the gospel more or less than when you present Christ at home here in the U.S.? Wow, that's a great question. In the Philippines especially, they love basketball, but they will fill a gym up out in the middle of nowhere. People will walk and ride those uh, tri bikes and uh, to get there and have that gym filled up. Or if it's an open-air gym, they'll be hanging on, on standing on cars looking in. And when we share the gospel at halftime, they listen. One trip last year, we saw 9,008 professions of faith in like 10 days. And people say, well, how many of those are real, Randy? Well, we had pastors with us and to follow up, and we did all we could to make them real. And there's been a couple churches started from some of our uh, halftime ministries. So, yes, international countries, countries in South America, the Philippines are very open to the gospel. And then some are Europe are not so open, so it kind of depends right. on where you're at. Yeah. Something I don't think I've ever asked you on this program in the past is, how do you see churches misusing sports ministries in their church? Yeah, I think sometimes they don't give the gospel. They don't give, you know, they might, they might give a devotion, which is fine, but I think that it's the power of God unto salvation. And obviously being an evangelist, God's given me a boldness gift, but I think that we need to present the gospel when there's a ball game, you know, it may be two or three, four minutes. Bill Bright said five minutes with someone. 
is a divine opportunity to share the gospel where I know a pastor would come back to me and say, okay, Randy, you got to be pastoral too. If we can get them in a league, we might be able to get them in a church. But I think there's a fine line there. Dr. Rogers say, used to say, what you get them with is what you're going to keep them with. So the word has to be given. The gospel has to be given in there and not just a church league where you got men coming in, playing ball and, and doing their thing, and the gospel is never presented. Yeah. Uh, you've been doing Crossfire for how long now? This is be our 26th year. 26 years. I guess this is incredible. Uh, do you have any follow-up stories, maybe from a young person that trusted Christ through the outreach of Crossfire? Let's fast forward ten years. Let's cr- let's fast forward twenty-six years. Do you have any stories of where they are today? Got an awesome story. A young man by the name of John Cannon. John happens to be six foot ten, weighs about two seventy. Played basketball at the University of Georgia on a scholarship for three years and came back to UNC Asheville for his last year and played there. But John came forward at halftime of one of our Crossfire ACC games when he was nine years old. He wasn't 6'10 then, but he made a decision for the Lord. He played about an hour outside of Asheville at a high school, became an all-state player, went to Georgia on a scholarship, went to UNC Asheville, reconnected with us in some pickup games and came back to the Lord. He kind of like me and let basketball become number one. But now he's been to seven or eight countries with us. He works our summer basketball camp. He's on fire for the Lord. He's actually a six foot ten postman up in Burnsville, North Carolina. Probably could have played in Europe, but he wanted to stay close to his family. Helps his mom with with uh, some a child that they adopted. But he goes to Philippines with us. He's been. Uh, uh, several countries with us. So it's great to have a boy that came to Christ as a nine-year-old boy. He grew to be six foot ten, And I tell folks, Jamie and I have a tougher job than uh, Coach K or Coach Williams. We got to find players that love Jesus and can also play. So finding a six foot ten guy that loves the Lord is a blessing. <laughs> oh, my. oh my goodness! So yeah, he's delivering the mail more ways than That's one. That's exactly too. right. Boy, I yeah. like that. He's a dunker too. Yeah. Great athlete. Runs the court. My so, goodness! Yeah. Well, hey, when you take those trips, usually how many do you take with you? We'll take about seven or eight players. You know, every, even Christian guys want to play a lot, so I try not to get too many players. We have guys for playing time and then you rate you're raising three thousand dollars to go and jamie and i end up raising some of these young guys finances because uh you take a kid that might have grown up in the inner city doesn't have a lot of contacts he's got the lord but he's got to learn to make relationships and so forth so god has gifted us in that area so we'll take kids and, and raise their support disciple them for those 10 days play games speak in schools and as you know, a foreign mission trip is like probably better than a year in seminary. Wow. Yeah. So that's you incredible. Get a, on fire for the Lord on those trips and come back and hopefully share it, keep sharing it. Right. Randy, in these 26 years that Crossfire has been a ministry, any new direction or different approach in the way you do ministry compared to the day you first started? Yeah, I learned a lot. Spirit Express was a blessing for me for four years. I got to sit under Dr. Rogers and I was taking notes. Left and right, I never went to seminary. I joke and say I never went to cemetery. Those of you out there, I'm not against seminary, but uh, I've met a lot of pastors that don't share the gospel outside the pulpit, and Dr. Rogers was one that did, and Steve Gaines does, and my pastor did. So I've learned a lot over the years, and uh, Jamie, my ministry partner, has a pastoral heart. He's also an evangelist, so we balance each other out well. I could kind of be like the son of thunder sometimes, and Jamie is the apostle of love, so he's taught me a lot. You know, sometimes you got to be bold. Sometimes you got to put your arm around them and love them and give them grace. And ministry philosophy, 
I mean, I think God has blessed Crossfire because we've stuck to the Word of God, yeah. biblical principles. We don't compromise with players. No players are perfect, but our players aren't out carousing. They're not sleeping around. They're not partying. You know, we have what we call the Crossfire Blessings that they sign, which are our basic convictions of what we believe the Bible says. And we a player signs that. And there have been some guys that have come to us and said, hey, I'm not there right now. I need to step away, which we appreciate that. And then there's some that we've had to say, hey, we got to call this or that. You know, we're not the Holy Ghost police because if you follow me around long enough, I'm going to I'm going to mess up. But we want to have a standard, which just like any church staff or your staff here, that we're seeking to walk the walk and talk the talk. Because when you put that uniform on, if you're not representing the Lord, you can do a lot of damage. Good word there, Randy. Well, as we wrap up this program, it's hard to believe it's been a year since you've been here in the studio with me. It's always a pleasure. You mentioned about how you have sometimes trying to raise funds for other players to be able to go on these trips. I'm sure you've occur expenses on trying to make Crossfire, you know, continue in the work. Obviously, it's a ministry, nonprofit, tax deductible. Yes, sir. <laughs> so yes, sir. How can how can folks uh, help connect with you and yeah, learn more about Crossfire? Our Crossfire website is www.crossfireministry.com. And great point you brought up. Probably 75% of the places Jamie and I go speak, we don't get paid. And we made a we made a premise at the beginning of Crossfire. We're going to go whether they can give us anything or not. And 26 years later, Byron, our budget's about 450000 a year. Little old lady gives $5 a month. We tried to get her to stop giving. She said, don't tell me what to do. The Lord told me to do this. Yes, ma'am. And then we got a businessman that writes a big <laughs> check. So those of you that are in ministry, you know here as well. God provides, so we go, and God meets the needs, and sometimes it's the last minute, but I've never missed a meal, praise the Lord. Randy, God bless you, my dear brother. Always a pleasure to have you stop by. It's a blessing to be here. I know you're <laughs> headed off to Nashville, so have fun there at yeah, the NRB National Religious Broadcasters Convention. And thank you for making time to get me in. Always going to make time for you. It might be a little stressful in the middle of it, but <laughs> you're, you're, kind. you're worth it, my friend. You're, you're kind. worth it. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. Randy Shepard, Crossfire Ministries. Don't forget that website now, crossfire.com. .com. Crossfireministry.com. Crossfireministry.com. And you're on Facebook, too. Yes. You can go to our Crossfire Ministry uh, Facebook page, Singular. We're hopefully going to do a podcast soon. So, Are you really? Yeah, we're praying well, about it. Well, all the experience I've given you I here, know. You, I'm going to call you in, yeah, buddy. Yeah, you're ready to do the show. <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Byron Tyler. Bye-bye now.